Welcome to the Sports Skiller Radio Show. We want to thank you for taking time out of your schedule to join us here on Sports Radio 920. We appreciate it. Want to let you know that you can like, follow, and share our accounts on social media. Keep up with all our great events and everything going on with the show. Head over to our website, sportskillerradio.com, to catch up on all our latest blogs, news, information. You can download our app there as well and head over over to YouTube as well to catch up on our live streams. We hope that you and your family are happy, healthy, and safe and are enjoying this weekend. We are going to be joined at the top by Mark Jackson. We want to encourage you to head over to his website, jacko25llc.com. He has some great things lined up as well going on there. We're going to get into that. We are also joined, as always, by the coach, Shane McGowan. Shane, can you let everybody know how they can find you on social media and your website yeah you can reach me at the mental edgeperformance.ca how's everybody doing today we are doing great as always at the top we're going to start with some nba talk we have mark jackson join us we always love when he joins us here on the sports skill radio show mark can you let everybody know how they can find you on your social media and website yes sir on instagram you can find me at team underscore jacko that's team underscore J-A-C-K-O and on Twitter is J-A-C-K-O 2544 that's Jacko 2544 Now you said on your website before the show began you got some great things that you're building up to can you let us in on some of that? Yes um, pay close attention to my website which is J-A-C-K-O 25 LLC.com that's Jacko 25 LLC.com I'm in the process of of, uh, starting to, to get funding together to build an educational slash uh, basketball facility for my nonprofit for children that come through my nonprofit for the city of Philadelphia. Awesome. We are going to be looking forward to that. And Mark, at the top, let's just talk about the Philadelphia 76ers. Currently, as we're taping this, they are down 0-2 to the Boston Celtics. Is there any hope for the Sixers? You know what? I'm going to say they still got a bunch of chance. You know, there are plenty of teams that have been down 2-0 and a comeback. And I'm going to get a six to benefit the doubt. But with that being said, I will say this. It was very difficult to get thrumped like that without their team having one of their main starters in Gordon Hayward. That could be pretty disheartening. And I'm, I'm curious how the six bounce back from that. Oh, I have so many, many questions for Mark. Mark, I know you're you're in practice right now, so I'm just I'm just going to get to something that I think is bothering a lot of people in Philadelphia, and something that I think everyone was I don't want to say excited, but we thought the silver lining with Ben being out is that we can do what everybody said that they wanted to do. You have Joel in the low post, surrounded by four shoulders. That's what everybody who is not is a non basketball mind, you know, is sitting there thinking we're going to do. Can you please explain to me? why Brett Brown in his press conference said he has zero interest, or your opinion, right? Why Brett has zero interest in Joel being surrounded by four shooters. Brett said it's his philosophy. He's not interested in that because of his coaching experience with the Spurs. They think that the defense can combat that too easily. Do you agree with that, Mark? This is just my opinion, but when I heard that, I, I, and I was on the air when he said that, when I originally heard that, the first thing I did is go to YouTube and I looked up all of uh, Akeem Olajuwon and the Houston Rockets when they won the final. How did they play? Four shooters. Um, how, did, how did the Golden San Antonio play? They had four shooters. 
when Tim du- Tim Duncan was on out of his was out of his prime, but he was still feeding the ball. He had some other talent around him, but they still have four other guys that can shoot the ball. So when I first originally heard that by Brett Brown, hey, he's a coach in the NBA. I'm not. Maybe he knows more than I do. I'm not saying he doesn't, but I just thought you have to play to your strengths. And if you're Ben Simmons is out and your strength is Joel Embiid, you got to put him in the best situation to be successful. All right. Well, you know, something you do have experience with that Brett Brown does not is that you yourself were a low post player, and that's Joel. Can you explain why Joel gets pushed so far from the basket? Is he just not planting his feet? Is he just too tired to just fight for position? you know, right there. And and what would you do as a coach and a former player that played that position to fix this problem Embiid seems to have? So now, what I want to I want to preface this by saying, what you're asking is, is such a phenomenal, deep, loaded question. And let me explain why. It started like that on four years ago when Joel started playing and getting healthy and he was playing a lot of time on the perimeter. And Brett Brown said, I don't want him to be sticking on the box. So that's fine and dandy. But the problem with that is, just because you can do a lot of things, that don't mean you got to show everything. So Brett Brown and, and um, gave Joel the freeway to kind of do what he wants on offense. So you, you kind of forget the important things with establishing deep low post position, especially when you have smaller defenders guarding you. Because if, the further you catch it out, the more you put them in an advantage to them because you have to actually try to beat them off the dribble. A lot of it has to do with scheme. Joel is not getting deep position because he has to run on the court trying to fight for position as opposed to it will be nice if they have some plays for him that would help him do things like come across the lane very deep, up screen for him we get deep position. But no, he's, he's in the process of fighting for position without a screen without someone helping him. So that's why he gets it further off the block than you would expect, which informs, makes you more fatigued, which makes you tired. So when the fourth quarter comes, you have none of that. Even if you are successful, you have to work 20 times harder because of that. Okay. And and we, we definitely see that in the fourth quarter. We see him exhausted. Absolutely. And I definitely agree with that. So there you touched on the issue. I mean, we can't just criticize Embiid. We can criticize him a little bit, but he is surrounded by problems. Where do the Sixers go from here, Mark? They got to go to drawing board. But I'm going to tell you one thing. That's easier to say than done because a lot has to do with the other guys. And I, I'm not, I'm going to say this. Yes, Joel numbers say he's played great. Game two, we played great. Game one, he didn't play too good to me. I just thought he got 26 and 16 because he had a lot of touches. Now, that people say, but how can you say that? How can I say that is because he could give you more, and I think that fourth quarter, he could show he could have given you more, but he's fatigued. So that being said is, Tobias Harris has to step up. He has to give the Sixers more, more than he may be comfortable doing. But Josh Richardson, on the hand, averaging 18 points so far in his playoff series. So he's given what he can do. I think they need someone else to step up, whether that be Shake Milton, whether that be Matisse Thibel trying to become more of an offensive guy and not just a, a defensive guy, or Alec Burks, who, correct me if I'm wrong, Alec Burks in the first game at 18 points, I thought he played very well. Second game, coach don't put him in. He only played six quarters, six minutes. 
in the first half. And then they kind of get him out of not giving him significant playing time. When you need someone else to score. That's, I'm, I'm still scratching my head on that call. Oh, you aren't the only one. Um, just a reminder that we're recording this on Friday morning. So this is, show is actually going to come out on Sunday morning. So there will be another game. A lot of us just feel like at this point it's going to be a mercy killing. And to your point about Alec Burks. Oh, I man. Yeah, I <laughs> Have you ever seen a case where, I mean, you said you still have hope, Mark, but no one else does. I mean, we're, no one else does in the media that I'm hearing. They're just so down. They're so down on what you said about Alec Burks. Like, what? Like, what is this? Neto? I, 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 they are up in arms. So everybody, have you ever seen a situation like this? I mean, we were supposed to go to the finals, and now everybody just thinks this is over after two games. Let me address your first thing about Burks and you scratch your head like I am. To be honest, and, and I'm, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm just gonna say this and I hope this is no disrespect to people or what, what people think or, or feel, but I really don't think Brett Brown gets guys who's traded to his team a fair shot. Now I know I may be going a little bit too harsh on what I see, but that's just what I see. Unless you're a superstar like Jimmy Butler, if you was traded to this team and if you are not a major key factor, I think he has who he wants to play. With that being said, Alec Burks and Lynn Robinson Jr. was having very good seasons before coming here. Before coming here. They get here and they have not yet got consistent minutes to see if they can really help this ball club. And I really believe when you need scoring, and Alec Burks give you a good game in game one, and game two, you bury play him. It's hard for a player, the former player that, that's played in this situation, it's hard to get a rhythm. It's hard to be able to get something consistently to help your team to be successful because you don't know where you're going to get in. And that plays a big part to everything. It really does. So I'm saying that to state, I really hope that Alec Burks will get consistent minutes. You get consistent minutes, I think he can consistent plan and give success. Now with that being said, everybody feels as though this is going to be bad because they're in the bubble. Now what I mean by that is, when you're in this bubble, normally you say, okay, we were the, the, the lowest seed. We played at Boston, we owe two. That's okay, we coming back to us, we'll be fine. But when you're in this bubble, it's hard to, to to mentally get prepared to play game three on a neutral site. It's not about home and away because a lot of the time they give you an excuse. It's about how do I win when we took their best shot and we didn't get it. We were we took their best shot and they defeated us. Now we don't have an advantage. We still are playing on a neutral site. So how are we going to build up? It's going to be hard. It's going to be very difficult for Brett Brown and their coaching staff to get their team over that mental hurdle. It's mental now. It's not physical. Is meant that's gonna be difficult, Mark. Uh, you keep mentioning Brett Brown. Do you think he survives after this series, or do you think the Sixers move on and start looking for a new coach if the Sixers end up losing this series? For me, I think unless Brett Brown went to the Eastern Conference Finals, I think he was, he was going to find another coach. No matter what I think or other people think, I just think it comes a time when your when your your stay is is, is done, and I think he's at a stage now where he's done. I think I. I think he needs to go to the Utah Finals and then make a significant run for him to keep his job. Unfortunately, that's just how I feel. I think they're going to look to go elsewhere. Whether he look to come from, from within or somewhere else, I think it would be difficult for him to keep his position as a Sixers head coach. That being said, would you give the new coach a year still with Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons, or would you look to split them up and maybe trade a Ben Simmons? I still believe they can work together. I really believe that you have to get a different voice and see if he can do things differently. 
Now, with that being said, let's put it like this. It's a lot of time coaches are hired, and they're just mouthpieces. They're just mouthpieces for the front office. The coaches just say, the front office say, we want you to play this guy this amount of minutes, this amount of minutes, this amount of minutes, and that's what's done. Are they going to bring in a coach? If you hire somebody within, within is he going to be able to implement his own thing, or is it going to be them just doing what, say, the front office wants done? Or they're going to be able to bring in a coach that's going to be able to put his stamp, his stamp on this and do what he thinks to help this team. That's yet to be seen. And just looking around the NBA right now, uh, really quickly, uh, you look at what's happening right now in L.A. Obviously, you know, the Clippers obviously lost lost a game. I still think they're going to uh, win, win that series. Uh, but then you look at that other team in L.A., the Lakers, and uh, they're in a real fight right now with, uh, with Portland. What do you think of uh, the Lakers right now? Well, I, I think Lakers are going to win this. Um, I know Portland – I know Portland has, has had some success leading up to this, but I think the Lakers will over, overtake this team, whether it be in five games or six games, I think they'll overtake Portland. I'm not worried about that series at all. But you, I want to put this on the record. You can ask my coworkers at Amy Perdue and Jimmy Lanham <laughs> and our producer, Brian Brennan. I told them Dallas Mavericks will beat the Clippers this series, and they told me I was crazy. I want they are they going to confirm it? I'm telling you, I like Dallas versus the Clippers. Very interesting, Kelly. Yeah. Mark, uh, Mark, I got one quick question for you, uh, Coach over here. Um, watching Milwaukee, they don't seem to be playing with the same flow that they did last season, right? They seem. I, I, I'm great. saying that Milwaukee does not have that same oomph uh, to be the number one seed out there in the East. And the Raptors, who are without Kawhi and everybody like that, seem to be playing with a lot more motivation to say, listen, we're not intimidated by anybody out here in the East, and they're doing what they got to do. Do you see anything with Milwaukee, just because this, with the series being one and one right now, but, I mean, it's, uh, it looks like Milwaukee just does not have that same endurance to keep going for the length of the, of the series and to continue on with a lot of firepower. Agree with you 100%. Agree with you 100%. I don't know if teams have figured Milwaukee out or Milwaukee's just not clicking. Secondly, I, I believe that Middleton um, is a good number two guy, but I don't think his level of being number two is high enough for, for what they need. I think Giannis has to do so much now. Is he capable of doing everything? Yes, he's capable of doing everything plus some. But I think Giannis has to do too much and even if they survive this round, which they most likely will, I think he'll be just completely worn down because he has to do so much for this ball club. Because I think of Fletcher and Middleton, unfortunately, are not going to be consistent enough to give them what they need. Yep. No, I totally agree with you on that one because, like I said, just by watching them and saying if this series keeps going the way it is, you can see that they're starting to wear down a little bit out there. And then whoever they're going to play next is still going to be a lot more, more firepower but I'm just seeing the pace of the game as we get, you know, into the third and the fourth like that, they're starting to dwindle a little bit. And I think that's when they're going to need these guys the most. So I just see Milwaukee kind of fading out as the series keep moving forward. I agree with you 100%. I just think Giannis has, just to watch him play, yes, he plays so hard, but he's like a one-man wrecking crew. Think about how hard he has to work for the ball. Even Michael Jordan, with the amount of usage he has, 
that triangle offense took a lot out of him when he had to fight to get a shot every single time. Yes, he had to to create, but he had to fight to receive the ball. I think Giannis has to fight too hard to receive the ball. He needs to go through two and three and four guys to do what he does. And I think that's going to wear on him. And once Giannis falters, that whole team crumbles. And, Mark, just to finish up with you, I know you got to run, but uh, just two questions for you. Number one is uh, NBA just had their draft lottery. Uh, what were your thoughts about the outcome of that? Any surprises in there? And uh, should Kelly be prepared to have Mr. Ball join her Golden State Warriors? You know, it's very interesting. First of all, the draft played up quite interesting because Minnesota, Minnesota, with their team, they need another piece. They need a piece. I don't – and I think Carl Anthony Towns and, uh, and, and D'Lo are still young enough that I think they're going to add another young piece. I don't think they're going to trade they pick. Now, here's the thing with Golden State. Golden State, people say, oh, they should trade the pick for another good player. Have anybody seen Golden State books and how much money they got going to cap next year? They can't afford to bring in. I don't even think they can afford to bring in somebody as the number two pick because their salary cap is so incredibly high. So with that being said, I have a strange feeling because of the financial burden that's going on now. I really believe that they're going to keep that pick and they're going to draft either, either uh, James Wiseman or they're going to draft the guy that's standing about 10 feet from me and they'll be topping. I really believe they're going to keep that pick and use it because of financial impact of, of who they would have to trade that pick for would be too high for even Golden State to bear. Gotcha. And one final question, uh, not NBA-related, but something I thought was interesting. Uh, during the last Flyers game, uh, they were going to pull the goalie. The coach uh, was going to pull the goalie and instead took a timeout, talked to him, uh, left him in the game, even though the Flyers were struggling a little bit. What do you, being in a locker room, what do you think that did for young Carter Hart's, you know, uh, just mental state? Listen, that is a phenomenal question because the biggest thing with young players or young athletes is the mental, mental fortitude to be confident. That's the biggest thing. So instead of pulling me, which I might even say I deserve to be pulled because I'm playing not up to my, expect my expectation. But for him to talk to me, him to put trust in me to put me back in the game, whether I play better or I play worse, that builds confidence. That builds incredible confidence. So I think they just gave, got added another 10 years in his career of being successful because they demonstrated to him we have confidence in you. Gotcha. I thought it was a phenomenal move myself. Mark, we love having you on the show. I want you to invite you to come back on whenever you like. Uh, once again, can you let everybody know how they can find you on your social media accounts and your website? Yes. On uh, yeah, Twitter, my handle is Jacko2544. That's J-A-C-K-O 2544. And on Instagram, it's team underscore uh, Jacko. T-E-A-M underscore J-A-C-K-O. And please follow my website because I got some, some great information to be coming in soon. 
regarding what I'm trying to do with my nonprofit. That's www.jacko25llc.com. Thank you. Awesome. And as soon as you get that information, let us know. We'll retweet it out for you on our social media accounts. We'll do whatever we can for you, Mark. Appreciate it, guys. It's funny. Good talking to you. Good talking to you as always, Mark. And of course, and of course, that was Mark Jackson. Uh, we love having him on the show all the time when he comes on. Great information there. Mark is a great, great guy. Again, follow his website, jacko25llc.com. Great stuff coming out of there. Uh, we are going to take a brief time out, and we will be right back after this, if I can get my computer working here. Uh, I just got to get it up here. There we go. What's on the menu at Sports Skilly? Local and national sports talk that's always fresh in season and FDA approved. If it's hot, you'll find it cooking with Jeff, Jay, and Kelly. Sunday mornings, 11 a.m. on 920 a.m. The Jersey. All right, and we are back. We had some NBA talk with Mark Jackson. Love that interview. Anything else you guys want to talk about with regarding the NBA or you guys NBA talk out? I think we should move on to baseball and uh, discuss. I, I'm not the, surprised. I am not, <laughs> Shane, are you surprised? Well, I, I'm never know, surprised with the Philly fans is, over uh, here. This is just a uh, travesty uh, last night of epic proportions as far as the Phillies go. Um, this is just unbelievable when you really get down to it, uh, how ineffective and how poorly this bullpen has performed uh, for Joe Girardi uh, and the guys that are just not stepping up uh, and filling the roles that they need to fill as major league pitchers. I mean, they, they, they're supposed to be brought up through the minor leagues. They're supposed to have the talent when they get here to be able to perform. And right now, they're just getting lit up uh, left, left, left and right out of this bullpen. Now, some of it is obviously not their fault regarding the defense, sort of fails the uh, Phillies at times. Uh, but this is just – it's just unbelievable when you can't hold a 7-2 lead against Toronto or a 7-0 lead against Toronto. So – uh, in the first inning. I mean, that's just uh, absolutely uh, um, just right. – you, you can't explain it, and it's something that uh, obviously uh, is going to have to be addressed uh, going forward. And it's possible that the guy who, you know, put this thing together, the architect, this whole thing, Matt Klintak, uh, is going to be, uh, you know, put on the firing squad there, Jay. I mean, like, 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 like it or not. Well, here's something. We uh, retweeted this out from Jason Stark. Uh, the Phillies scored seven runs in the first inning yesterday and lost the second game of the doubleheader. Just to put this in kind of perspective for everyone, they hadn't done that in 50 years. They hadn't done that on the road in 120 years. And no team in Major League Baseball, either home or on the road, had done that in 14 years, jumping out to a 7-0 lead in the first inning and then losing the ball game. I mean, that's something that hadn't happened in the last 33,000 games. That tells you how 
kind of historic that loss was by the Phillies yesterday. And again, I, I don't put it on Hector Neris because he got failed by the defense, uh, two errors in the inning, got some ground balls, should have been out of the inning. But again, as you allude to, Jeff, it's something that the bullpen, Girardi goes to the bullpen, and I thought he was right in doing so, goes to the bullpen, and he never knows what he's going to get out of it, you know. Um, if he gets a good pitching outing, which I think Hector Neres pretty much had yesterday, the defense fails the pitchers. So, you know, he, he throws his hands up, and he never knows what he's going to get when that bullpen door opens. You know, but here's – Here's the thing. Here's the thing. I want to bring in uh, Shane on this and the fact that uh, what do you think? Uh, what do you think is going through the head of guys like uh, JT Realmuto, DD Gregorius, who are both free agents after this season, watching this kind of th- watching this kind of thing, uh, these kind of things go on and transpire within this team. This doesn't, I think, make them want to, you know, automatically re-sign with this team uh, based upon what's going on here at this point uh, when they could go somewhere else. And I speak to that and the fact that, you know, it's possible, and I'm just throwing this out there, that uh, JT Riomuto could end up going to the Yankees because the Yankees are not very happy uh, with Sanchez uh, right now, as far as his catching goes, he just simply can't catch the ball. Yeah, he can throw it, but Sanchez is more suited to being a DH up there. And uh, I'm sure the Yankees, you know, look, I, you know, who knows what kind of money they'd want to throw at JT Real Muto, but uh, there's that, there's always that pos- possibility out there that the Yankees might get involved uh, in uh, the sweepstakes for JT. And JT may look at that as a better situation than being here. And that's what my point is right now. When you have the kind of defeats and the kind of losses that this team had, that this team has endured, uh, that's got to weigh on those guys uh, tremendously. Well, first off, I got to say, let's go Blue Jays. So, <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, you know, that was yes. a pretty crazy game. There's no question about that. And, and, I, and on the flip side of that, too, I look at the Blue Jays and say, man, for them to just say, hey, look, we're going to still play and do what we got to do to come back and win these uh, is very impressive on their part. But for your question of saying, like, listen, do I want to stay in an organization that you can't see, you know, making it very far even in the upcoming years? You know what I mean? Do I want to sign any long-term contract with these guys where I could go to, say, the Yankees or something like that that have a better potential of making it to a series, to the playoffs, to everything like that. And wherever it goes, it goes. But at least I've got that opportunity and chance. Uh, I think there's no question that that somebody is going to try to poach this guy from the Phillies. And it's going to be up to him to, to, I think, not only break down about the money situation, but also where do I get the best opportunity to actually win? And I think that's what it's going to come down to in a lot of this. And I think in, in really in sports lately – Many contracts now are being based on where do I have the best opportunity to win a championship? You know what I mean? Because the money seems to always be there for both. It used to be like, no, you're getting this amount and nobody could match it. Everybody wants to match the, the, the price tags now. Yeah. So these players are just looking and saying, listen, where am I going to get the best opportunity to actually win a championship? And I think this is what it's going to come down to. So I would not be surprised if, yes, they get him, and, and he moves on from the Phillies, especially if the Phillies keep taking a nosedive. 
Especially since, you know, if it's not the Yankees, then, you know, if A-Rod does come in with his group and it's looking more and more like A-Rod is the front runner right now, that group out there is becoming more and more the front runner to buy the Mets. Uh, you know, A-Rod's going to want to make a splash uh, well, exactly. as the owner of that team. And JT would definitely fit the bill uh, for that franchise uh, for the Mets in their division. So he would love – and that would do two things, you know, for, uh, for A-Rod. One, it would really uh, help out the Mets, obviously, on the field. But it would also uh, cripple the Phillies uh, at the same time, which is their, comp- their competition in that division. Yeah. So no, I I totally agree with that. Like you said, yeah. uh, if if I think whoever does take ownership of the Mets is definitely going to try to make a splash with free agency. There's no question about this because they need to, um, they need to get not only hopefully within the next year that there's going to be the fan base and everything like that that's able to come and see this, but you want to bring out a product that you know is going to be competitive out there and you need the right players. So yeah, I can see that happening. Hey, Jay, you just got to say that if they lose uh, JT Real Muto, that's gonna, yeah. that would really cripple uh, this, this team right now because you'd be losing one of the top five players in the game at this point. And the Phillies paid a very high price, uh, Alfaro and yeah. so forth, to, to Miami uh, to get, uh, yeah. to, to get yeah. Jay, JT and to just have them walk away. Yeah. Uh, would really cripple this uh, this fan, and it would really anger. I think it would really anger uh, the best player on the team in Bryce Harper. So you would have him uh, not being a very happy camper, uh, seeing JT just walk away. Not that, not that you know Bryce Harper. You know, it's always up to JT as to what he does ultimately. But it would obviously, uh, you know, we know how you know passionate. Uh, Bryce has been to uh, re-sign, uh, re-sign uh, JT Rio Muto. And if, and if he bolts, uh, that's going to, oh. number one, anger, very much anger their best player. And it will obviously very much uh, cripple the offense. Well, not only – JT is the best catcher in baseball. We can say that. Correct. And, and one of the top, I think he's not only the best catcher, but one of the top five and, players in the game. And you and I'm not going to go over everything you said. People know the price that the Phillies paid for him. Bryce right. Harper, everybody wants the Phillies to re-sign JT because what do you have behind JT? Yeah, that's, that's the other thing. So you lose JT, who knows who you lose him to, what team. But you're, you're, you can't replace a guy like that. You can't replace the best player on – at his position when you got him. So you have to you have to definitely go out. You have to be strong. And you may have to overpay for him now with the way the Phillies are playing. So they're going to have to figure out their finances. But uh, one thing I wanted to bring up with Shane, he mentioned the Toronto Blue Jays. Uh, an interesting story came out about uh, the Blue Jays, I believe it was yesterday. That's the uh, Buffalo Blue Jays, by the way. Yes. Uh, the, the story that came out about the Blue Jays was, to me, it was absolutely ridiculous. Uh, they had to apologize because uh, teammates on the Blue Jays, uh, players on the Blue Jays, wore a T-shirt uh, that had uh, the Blue Jay uh, cartoon, the Blue Jay logo, uh, with uh, like a stick with a bat with a knapsack hanging on to it and you know saying they were you know sorry and the Blue Jays had to apologize saying they were sorry the players wore the t-shirts that depicted their mascot as a homeless person 
so now the team has officially banned the apparel from its clubhouse. I think you can buy the T-shirt online. The team just won't sell it. Um, to me, that's utterly ridiculous. It's a cartoon bird, and they were having <laughs> fun with it. You know, it's like the same thing with the Philly Fanatic. You know, if the Phillies did the same thing, I'm Good. sure nobody would have a problem with it. You know, it, to me, it's like ridiculous. Just because a couple of people on social media say that you're, you know, uh, you know, say that they're, say that they don't like it. You have to what? You have to apologize? That's utterly ridiculous. You're having fun with it. Jeff, Shane, what do you think about it? Well, I'll let like Shane go said, first. The, the, you got to look at it like this, is that there are very, very, well, there's a lot yeah. now in this, in this life that we're living of very sensitive people when it comes to every political thing that's out there. And for them to look at that and think that we, it was being insensitive to homeless or whoever else and things like that, and not looking at the humor of certain things, which I think we need a lot more of in our, in our lives right now, is a little bit more humor, a little bit more fun. Absolutely. You, have the people, you got people that are, that are reversing that. And so, yeah, as an organization, you got no choice in this day and age to say, okay, you know what? We're sorry. We didn't mean anything like that. Not even came close to it, but this is just how it is to please the people. So, I mean, it's unfortunate because like I said, you know, the guys are just wearing a, a typical shirt that you can buy anywhere type of thing like that and, and have a little fun in this way. But this is the life that we are living in when it comes to the political statues of everything that you have to be political politically correct and it's unfortunate but like i said to not cause any waves to not cause any more you know outbursts of of fans or or people that and the worst part is some of them were probably fans in the first place yeah exactly but what what do they have to do they got nothing to do except go on social media to critique everything i mean that's the whole thing that's what their job is you know and they got to cause a little bit of an uproar so, like I said, you know, instead of instead of the Blue Jays just bluffing it off, they just kind of said, okay, we're sorry, and they move on. You know, so no no foul, no harm. I mean, it's, it's done with in that way. But, yes, it does make for an interesting story. But, like you said, is if the Phillies did it or other teams did it, you know, Cincinnati, whatever, who knows? Who knows what would have happened? Maybe they would have kept going. Maybe they would have made more out of it. Okay. But, like I said, this is just it. But, yeah, this is the life we live in, people. And uh, segueing from that, Shane, I think it's a perfect seg- segue to this topic in baseball. Uh, this this week, obviously, we had one of the better young players in the game that's coming up, uh, Fernando Tatis Jr. Um, the uh, in in a game uh, this this week, uh, the big scandal there uh, was the fact that uh, he the Padres uh, were up big in the game. Uh, the Padres had the bases loaded. Uh, Fernando Tatis comes up, uh, and he's up, uh, and the count goes to 3-0. And Fernando Tatis decides to swing at the pitch. We all know about baseball's rules, you know, and the etiquette and all that that goes on in, you know, Major League Baseball. We could get into all that. But uh, one of the, you know, unwritten rules is, hey, you know, okay, you take take the pitch. He decided to swing at the pitch. He hits a grand slam. And everybody starts uh, going wild. And I like your, your, your point about you know, social media, everybody bringing it up. They created quite the firestorm in terms of, you know, should he have swung at that pitch? Should he not have swung at that pitch? And he had players you know, speaking up, you know, on either side. Uh, my personal viewpoint, I'll get your, your, your take on this, Shane. But 
Uh, my take on it is the fact that I, I didn't mind him swinging at it. Uh, obviously, it's lucky that he hit the grand slam. Uh, but, you know, obviously, if he had, uh, you know, <laughs> missed that, I think. Uh, but I do believe that the manager probably had a few words like, you know, don't do that again, that kind of thing. Uh, but, you know, hey, it was lucky that uh, he, he managed to hit a grand slam on that pitch. But I, I really didn't have any any issue with uh, with him doing it and actually swinging at, the, uh, swinging at that ball and, uh, and doing it. Because, again, what we saw yesterday uh, in the Philly game is a great example of why you just got to keep adding, adding runs and adding to it because you just never know what lead is safe. Uh, and you can look to the Phillies game, too, or the doubleheader yesterday to the fact that they're up 7 nothing, and they wind up uh, – and Toronto winds up coming back and winning. So, you never really know what kind of lead is safe uh, in, in, in baseball. So, no, I, I don't really have a problem with him swinging at it. No, and, and think about it. If he doesn't swing at it and does nothing, well, you, you know, so it's like you're damned if you do, damned if you don't. Right. right? That, that catch 22. But the thing was, too, is that really in some ways it also shows that, listen, I'm not afraid of the pitch coming. I saw something and look at there's sometimes you're up at that plate. That thing changes on you and you see something that you feel you can get. You know what I mean? And that's what he did. It wasn't just like his eyes were closed. He saw something. He took that chance. It was there. Good for him in that way. Also showing confidence and them also saying, listen, we're not afraid to take what comes at us either. You know what I mean? So I, I think, I think in the, in the end, he did the right decision. He made the right choice. And even like you said, the, the, the manager and everybody's going to look at him saying, did you see something? Because normally you wouldn't take that. He said, look, it, it was there. I took it. He's like, perfect. You know what I mean? And just let it go from there. But, I mean, again, like I said, is that really when you watch other players out there that wouldn't do anything, you're just like, oh, well, why wouldn't they even try? You know what I mean? So kudos to him for that. And I think, like I said, it paid off. There's no question. But, again, this is something that I think more and more you might see of as other teams taking chances like that just because what do you have to lose in some ways? And I am completely in agreement with both you guys. I think you never – Of course you are, Jay. You know, you never get – you never stop playing. You play hard. You know what? If you don't want me to swing at a 3-0 pitch, up 8 nothing or whatever, you know what? Throw me a better pitch. Get me out. Put it on the pitcher. You know, it's the same thing with the NBA, NHL – uh natural football league you don't want me to score stop me from score play defense keep playing hard you know and you're trying to draw young kids you're trying to draw a younger audience into major league baseball and the younger audience doesn't want to see a guy going up to the plate and giving up and standing there like a statue saying you know what we scored enough runs i'm giving up uno you know i'm gonna play out the rest of the rest of the game or what no they want to see balls being put in play they want to see doubles triples home runs pitchers striking out the batter they want to see action going they don't want to see or hear about players giving up and that's essentially what the two managers wanted Tatis Jr. to do is to go up to the plate and give up and well, the fact is that there's that and I agree with you Jay on that but I think there is a line that you know you look at where you get to a point where you are kind of running up the score uh, as opposed to scoring runs. There is a certain point where you where that does happen, where, you know, and, yeah. and Coach McHugh, I mean, Steve yeah. Spurrier was accused of it many times in college football. 
you know, for really just running up the yeah. score and scoring, you know, 80, you know, 75, yeah. 80 points in a game when the other team was scoring like 10 or 14 points, you yeah. know, and he would just keep going and going and going. Uh, so, so there is, there is a line where I think, you know, they're, they're, they have to draw. Obviously for the Padres, they, they were up, but they weren't up that big where you look at it and you say, you know, okay, you know, he shouldn't have swung, you know, he shouldn't have swung at the pitch. So, uh, I don't think, but, I don't think Tatis has anything to apologize for. No, I, no, he has nothing to apologize no. for for what, what he did. No, no. Oh, and um, one thing we also learned uh, this week is, and Kelly will, you know, attest us too, when uh, we were in uh, class together, uh, one thing you always got to remember is don't say anything when you are close to a microphone. Tom Brenneman that the hard way. Uh, <laughs> Ugh. You know, made a comment when he thought the mic was turned off, that he was off air, and now Tom Brenneman is suspended from not only calling. Here's here's the problem. I want to say I want to say here's the problem I have with that apology of him on the air. Why is he if he's making an apology and he's doing that? Why is he calling the game and saying and, and trying to call the game at the same time? You're making an apology. You're trying to make a heartfelt apology, you know, of, of making, you know, a racial epithet and so forth. Why are you at the same time trying to still it was call, homophobic. call a game at if the I same can, time? If I can interrupt, it was yeah. homophobic. Yeah. Um, but I, I actually wanted to ask you guys that, if you thought I should be fired, because, like, I had my politically correct answer, and then I kept – and then I said, what does my gut tell me? Like, I am so sick of this at this point. I'm just like, fire him. Just fire him. That's my opinion. Yeah. I want to know what you guys think. I mean, do you, what do you guys think? Yeah. I mean, he has a very long storied career as an announcer. Uh, he does. And he works also for the NFL, and they suspended him as well. He's not going to be calling any, any NFL. Oh, okay. And uh, so he's gone from MLB, and he's gone from the NFL. He's taken some uh, courses uh, that they require of him. Uh, to get more socially conscious and all that, but oh but you know, but I'm with you. I'm with you, Cal. I say, you know what? You should number one, if you've been announcing as long as he's announcing, you should know about a hot mic. And number two is when he made that comment, that was his true self coming out. Uh, that was off air. That was a phrase that he would use in when he was away from Major League Baseball, when he was amongst family. No, no, Jay, Jay, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's actually a little bit more than that. I, you know, his true self is at home, right? It's with his yeah. wife or his girlfriend or his boyfriend or whatever. Like, we don't know his situation. Sorry, yeah. I had to get that in since he made a gay slur. Um, but um, no, he was with his coworkers. He was at work. I'm well, sorry, yeah. but like, if the four of us are here right now, we've got Shane, Kelly, Jay, and Jeff, right? And yeah. so before the show starts, and we are just, and I, you know, if I'm sitting here feeling comfortable enough to just like go on a rant that's insulting a group of people, then that means that I feel really, really comfortable talking about this with my coworkers. This is not out of work. This is in work. That almost seems like a privilege in itself. Like that, yeah. I, I think that's what bothers me the most. He was at work and, it, and, and he was, when you listen to him, he was so direct in his voice he was so mad there are many many you know gay capitals of the world or whatever whatever he he said and he said it with like a really 
gross slur. Yeah. But he was so angry. He was so angry to me that they were gay people living in the United States. And he said this to his coworkers, and, and I didn't. Of course, you don't know, but I, I think 100% he's talked like this before, and he feels comfortable yeah. talking like this with his coworkers. He can do whatever he wants at home, but he was at work. So that bothers me. Yeah, I completely agree. You know, that was not his on-air persona. What, what I was saying is that's not his on-air persona. That's him. When he uttered that, he thought the mic was off, and he was comfortable using that slur in normal conversation you know and that's why i think he should be fired because that's something that he would use in normal conversation and uh if that's the way if that's his true attitude if that's truly the way he feels which i believe to be true then yeah he should be let go well i think these leagues are already taking care of that on their own uh, first and foremost, certainly the NFL is yep. taking care of it. Uh, you know, uh, my, my hope is that obviously, you know, I hope he learns something from this. I mean, uh, maybe he grows a little bit from it. One can only hope uh, that, that he can uh, as far as, you know, being more tolerant of people possibly, but, you know, who knows uh, what really comes at it, what, you know, whether he, whether he changes, uh, you know, personally uh you know that's what i hope for as far as you know he goes personally obviously his professional career as far as being a broadcaster is probably finished uh i i don't see him coming back as a uh, as a broadcaster at this point so um i mean one never knows down the road what happens you know whether died you know down the road you know some station gives him an opportunity you know uh you know, there's always, yeah. you know, second chances down the, yeah. down the road. But uh, I would be really surprised if he actually worked again. And my hope my for him is that, you know, he grows as a person and learns from, you know, what, what, what he did uh, as far as, you know, putting that out, you know, uh, over the air. Uh, what concerns me is, you know, what I brought up just previously is, you know, it concerns me that, you know, he was trying to make a heartfelt apology and was still kind of concentrating yeah. on the game. And so trying to call it. And my belief is that, you know, if you're really that uh, sorry about what you did, you know, why would you be, you know, why would you still be trying well, to think, invest yourself in the game? So I, you know. I think to I think to that point, he was in a state of shock. So, you know, he didn't I don't think he realized more of a reflex action is what yeah. you're saying or. Yeah, I think like everything was coming right. at him a hundred miles an hour. He oh. didn't realize the mic was hot when he said what he said, and then all of a sudden he has everybody in his ears, uh, in his headphones, going off at him, uh, telling him we got to get you know you're, we're pulling you, we got to get you off the air, we want you to issue you know you should issue an apology. So you probably got like tons of guys in your earphones screaming at you. You know, we're pulling you, this, that, and the other thing. You'll have your – yeah, you know, so you're in a state of shock and you want to get your apology out there, but you're also being paid to, you know, do play-by-play of the game and to say what's going on. So I think he was kind of in a state of shock. And at that point, you know, you want to do two things at once and how do I do it? And so, I, I you know, I'll give him a little bit of a break on that, but I won't give him a break on what he said. Because I do think that's his true self coming out. 
what, what do you think, guys- Shane? Do you think he can okay. grow as a uh, person from there? I mean, mentally, uh, speaking, you're a mental game coach here. Uh, do you think uh, he can grow from this, or do you think that uh, he's not really sorry that he did it? Honestly, I, I don't think he's sorry that he did it. I think right. it's, uh, you, you know, he's he's uh, past that stage in his life where it's like, you know, these are my these are my beliefs. These are my how I feel. This is what I'm I am in that way. I I know better to keep my mouth shut when I'm on air about my personal feelings. But like I said, is also his irresponsibility to not realize that. Guess what? The mic still was uh, clicking a bit and on. So, you know, it's when it comes out of a person's mouth, certain things, well, guess what? That is exactly who you are and what you feel and it's in there. So it's not just something out of the blue. You know what I mean? It's not, I, yeah. there's no way in the world it's a one-time thing. And really he should have been gone just like that. And you, you know, they're going to still be looking to, to say, listen, let's fire this guy. So, I mean, really it's, it's, it's just a matter of time. Does he want to get fired or does he want to leave and just say, I'm retiring and moving on and stuff like this because that I think is what's going to also going to come up next is him parting ways of the whole situation because there's going to be too much heat coming from the networks and everything like that and it doesn't matter how many courses you go take this man is still set on his own ways yeah. you know what I mean and, and really is what it comes down to so like I said I mean irresponsible yes but I mean if this is how you actually feel then you are going to say those comments and those things and it's going to come out and it came out unfortunately and it's uh it's a sad on him it really is hey really quickly really quickly shane uh regarding hockey uh you know my picks obviously are both moving on uh very happy with uh vegas obviously they had a good first round they're they're moving on and tampa bay looks like uh they got they found their men they found their mentality after you know a very tough run in the playoffs last last year they seem to have found that edge again so, uh, you know, it looks like they're moving on. Uh, do you see anybody being able to stop either one of these uh, these two teams right now? Well, I mean, again, when it comes to Tampa and the Islanders out there, that's going to be an interesting one. You know what I mean? And when it, when it uh, gets, if it gets close. Jay will say the Flyers. Yeah. Well, yeah. Hey, listen, <laughs> hey. I thought you, the Flyers were supposed to sweep those Canadians, but all yeah. of a sudden, I mean, that Montreal team is playing like, <laughs> no, I don't think so. No, I don't think so just yet. And again, like I said, we'll see. I mean, it's still a, a close series, so who knows We got game six tonight. We got game six tonight. And yep. uh, it and, could go uh, to seven. Possibly game seven. So you know, we'll I, see I actually hope it does go to a game seven. Game seven here. Yep, I'd like to see it go to a game seven. Uh, Vegas is looking the way they should be. There's no question about it. But so is, so is Dallas out there playing a, a phenomenal oh, yeah. right now. They're playing a quite physical game too. So there's going to be some good matchups as well as Colorado. So the West, I think, is still a little tight uh, when it comes to certain teams that are actually going to finish. I mean, they're, the, the ones that are there deserve to be there. There's no question there. The East, like I said, we will see when it comes down to after the series with the Canadians and with the Flyers – because, like I said, everybody is starting to wear down a little bit. You know what I mean? Nobody is necessarily getting, you know, as much swept as you thought. But there's a lot of high high shots out there. I mean, games are going 7-1s, yeah. 4-1s, you know what I mean? So so there's definitely some goal scoring happening. So it's it's been very, very good. But like I said. It's I'm painful, awesome. Shane, for me, though, as a Ranger fan, to watch those Islanders right now. I'll tell you oh. something right now. Hey. They got Watching Washington watch their old coach beat them, too. You know what I mean? Yes. It's kind of like. Oh, you know, good luck, coach. But I mean, we we did this together, and he's just like, I know what I'm doing, and this is why I'm I'm moved on to the Islanders, you know. And 
So, like I said, kudos to the Islanders for getting their win in, in that way. But, again, like I said, is Washington did not look like Washington at all. Uh, Tampa, like you said, is looking like the way they were supposed to. But we will see when it gets closer to these finals, will they still have it in them or will they choke? And, Shane, one thing I wanted to bring up with you, we had the abrupt uh, leaving of the bubble by Tuka Rask uh, this past week as mm. well. Uh, all of a sudden, uh, he decides to leave the bubble. I guess he had maybe uh, talked it over. But, you know, with the Boston Bruins, maybe might have mentioned it to them that he was skittish about uh, staying in the bubble at this point. But he abruptly leaves the NHL bubble, and uh, Boston Bruins have to go to their backup goaltender. What did you think of this? Well, the, the, there's kind of two sides to this whole story, like everything else. Uh, Tuka Rask, just before going to the bubble, there was some family situations yeah. happening there too. And then while he was in the bubble, I guess things started to escalate a little bit, and it made him nervous. So he asked and said, you know what, my head's not in the game it's with the family. So really, I'm not helping my team out if I can't get myself into that zone to play, at, especially at a goalie position. And so he made that choice. Now, from what I understand, everything is fine when the family front, you know, everything's good there. So, but I don't think Tuka Rask really was very excited from the start to play in this bubble, to be away from his family during some things. I think there's a little bit of certain pressure maybe from the family uh, yeah. to stay at home, you know what I mean, and, and opt out, even though he's a team guy and everything like this. So he tried it just to see, you know, if it could work. He got whatever inside that just says, listen, I'm not, I'm not here to play. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I think that was it. And they said, fine. You know what I mean? Do what you got to yeah. do. And, and he's got the support of his team. He's got support. I mean, listen, that's your choice. If there's something that's bothering you, the worst thing you want is to have a goaltender out there that can't see anything because he's distracted by his own personal issues. You know what I mean? So and, put the and just to in. let people know, obviously, you made up of hockey. This is one of the best goaltenders in the league on uh, one of the better teams in the league. This is a team that obviously went to the Stanley Cup final last year, lost to St. Louis. So, um, you know, this was uh, a big loss, obviously, for Boston and the NHL to – have this good this particular goalie obviously decide to leave the bubble given the fact of you know how competitive that Boston team is with Zeno Char and that bunch out there and over in Boston uh, that's going to make their run that much tougher uh, going forward into the uh, semifinals even though they did advance so exactly and, and and again too is there's also been the rumors could this be his last season yeah right leading up to it right so maybe, maybe he's just kind of said listen I, i've had enough and i'm leaving the bubble i'm done with this whole thing you guys do what you got to do to win best of luck and move on from there so you know i mean it's it's at the end when it's all done i think we'll get more insight exactly of what's transpired during that time but from everybody that i've talked to in that world they've kind of just said listen there it started off he just wasn't into it in this way because of other things so now, you know, you can tend to the family. You can be more comfortable. They can be comfortable. Boston's going to do what they got to do. Next guy steps up, and, and that's it. Yep. And uh, I agree with that. I mean, I think it's a big loss for Buffalo, though. Um, for Boston. Boston, I mean, a uh, big loss losing to Karras, their number one goaltender. Um, enjoying the NHL playoffs so far. Um, as we uh, close out the show, anything that we missed, Jeff, that you want to bring up? 
I just want to bring up really quickly uh, just the fact that, you know, don't be surprised uh, if the Yankees uh, decide to maybe move on from from Stanton uh, in the offseason or, you know, actually uh, decide to trade Judge. I I think uh, depending upon what happens uh, here, I mean, those two guys have been really injured. uh, And uh, there's there's always a possibility, especially Judge, I think that, you know, the Yankees could entertain some offers uh, to move Judge at this point uh, and uh, make make some moves. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a really uh, – it, it's a possibility. So, look out for that coming coming up here in the offseason for uh, – in baseball for the Yankees to possibly, you know, move uh, – to move Aaron Judge. Gotcha. And, Kel, anything that we missed? No, just just a big thank you to Mark Jackson. Again, this is Friday morning, so tonight we're going to – well, Mark said uh, Mavs are going to beat the Clippers. So they, they actually play tonight, so can't wait for that. Mavs are seated number seven, Clippers number two. We'll have the Sixers tonight. Um, so we could potentially not have a Brett Brown a week from today or, or so. Going to be interesting. Go Ty Yeah. Wonder if I'm thinking Embiid and Simmons at this point should yeah. just ask for ask for a trade. <laughs> just ask for a trade. Just do it. Not the yeah. Shane. You have anything else? No, you guys covered everything. Yeah. All right. NBA is going to be interesting. NHL is going to be yeah. interesting. So we'll see you after this weekend and get going. All right. And I just wanted to give a shout out to uh, two local guys. Uh, somewhat local, Jake Boone, who signed with the Washington Nationals. We've had his dad, Brett Boone, on the show quite often. We are hashtag Boone approved. So congratulations to Jake Boone for signing with the Washington Nationals. And also a shout out to A.J. Barber, the son of Tiki Barber. He will be, uh, he is now committed to Princeton University. So A.J. will be playing on the Princeton University football team. Well, not on their campus, Jay. When they have football again. And also, uh, Frank, the Cubs fan, uh, went to his uh, church service uh, this week. So, uh, shout out to family and friends of Frank, the Cubs fan, Rabinsky, uh, who's been a supporter of Sports Skillet, a great friend. Uh, loved him. He'll always be, he'll be missed forever, definitely. I can't agree with you more on that. Uh, Frank was just one of the biggest baseball fans in jail, but loved, loved, loved his Cubbies. And I'm just happy that he was able to see him win the World Series uh, before he uh, before he passed away. And I think that was, you know, very special to him to be able to witness yep. his Cubbies finally winning a World Series. So, yep. and I enjoyed the caviar after that. So, yeah, you know, that was a great uh, yeah. that was a great uh, celebration afterward that would be had. Yeah. Um, so we want to thank everybody for tuning into the Sports Skiller Radio Show this week. Shane, loved having you on the show. As always, can you let everybody know how they can find you on social media? Yeah, you can reach me at www.mentaledgeperformance.ca as well as my social media, mental underscore edge underscore performance. It has been a pleasure as always. We had an awesome show, and I look yeah. forward to next week. So do we. Again, like, follow, share, and subscribe. Head over to sportskillerradio.com as well and download the app. Thanks, everyone. Stay happy, stay healthy, stay safe, and we will see you back here again next week.